Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody how you doing well that's good you're listening to phly flyers that's right phly my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening joining me live in studio philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter charlie o'connor it's me i'm not in dallas i'm here charlie in is, philadelphia charlie is not in <laughs> dallas but he is after five games i love it charlie the calm down the season is young the most pragmatic person i've ever met <laughs> He is hitting the panic button. The Flyers are too good, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, now, they end up losing in overtime on uh, the 25th shot they allow in the game. About halfway through overtime, Pavelski ends it. But they went toe-to-toe with yeah. one of the best teams in the West. And forgive me if I've said this earlier this week, outplayed them once again they did they beat up on the oilers they beat up on vancouver vancouver not on that level a lot of talent but not on the level of like the oilers or stars now here they are doing it to dallas in dallas i'm impressed with this team like obviously a lot of us want them to have a top five draft pick (laughs) to be a not great team make the rebuild matter but I like what I'm seeing out of these They're guys right team. now, Charlie. Hey, you know what? I don't think anybody's arguing with three shorthanded goals. I mean, come on. That happens like once every 20 years to a team. So that was pretty cool. I mean, Sean Walker, two shorthanded goals in two games. How Travis Gang, two shorthanded goals in one game. How does a defenseman have two shorthanded goals in two days? Wild. Like, that does and not seem like a thing. this isn't like a Kel McCarr type no, defenseman either. No, no he's... Uh, and they did note on the broadcast earlier in the game, like... He's been joining the rush a lot more than they thought maybe he did while he was in L.A. And both uh, both shorthanded goals pretty similar, just different sides. Someone makes a takeaway on the far side. He takes off. Yeah. They find him coming up ice, and he's 1-0 with the goalie. It's like, all right, pick your spot, and he does. Guy can shoot a little bit. No, he's got skill. He, he was a good defenseman for L.A. before the injuries, and it just kind of became a thing where – would he, number one, ever get back to what he was pre-injury? And then number two, would he ever find a place on a team again? Now, granted, the fact that he's a right-handed shooting defenseman certainly helps because teams are always going to give right-handed shooting defensemen more opportunities because there's fewer of them. Most coaches like to balance out their pairs. But Walker was a guy who who always had like the potential to be a solid, not not a not a game-changing type, but a solid second-pair guy on a pretty good team. Kind of lost his way a little bit the last few years in L.A., again, largely due to injuries. And it looks like in in Walker, at least so far, the Flyers might have unearthed the diamond in the rough. And again, in this situation, it's one of those things where you have, like, the angel on one side, the devil on the other. Like, the angel is like, wow, we found this guy, Sean Walker. Man, he's pretty good. This is great. And the devil's like, what can we get for him at the deadline? <laughs> Listen, as much as I'm liking Sean Walker right now, 28-year-old defenseman with a pretty, pretty uh, what's it, 2.65 mil, pretty affordable cap hit, 
right-handed. I mean, yeah, I'm thinking, what can this guy possibly be worth? <laughs> yeah, that's, right. That's absolutely his value to the Flyers right now. The shorthanded goals are cool. In, in the in the here and now, his value is that he's a clear-cut top four defenseman on this team. You know, you, you look at the time on ice and. Obviously, Mark Stahl is out. Uh, I reported yesterday that he was going to be out for at least a month. Apparently, John Tortorella to the Beats in Dallas today said he will be out for weeks. weeks. So that lines up yeah. for that. So he won't be in for a while. Tonight, looking at the time on ice, on defense, Travis Sanheim, 28-28. And I want to I talk about him in a few minutes. But we had, he was at 28-28. Cam York, 23 55 Sean Walker, 2330. Igor Zamola, 2043. And then you've got Nick Sealer at a little under 13 minutes and Emil Andre at 1133. I mean, they leaned heavy on the top four tonight. They really did. And, and they have been. Yeah. And, and those four guys, Zamola on, on what appeared to be like the game clinching goal when it became 4 2, the Jamie Ben goal, that wasn't the best play of his. He kind of got pulled up in the neutral zone. It wasn't totally his fault because you'd hope a forward tracks back and replaces him, but it was just Zamula looking a little casual, getting dragged off the play a little bit further than it should have been. Then Jamie Ben rushes down the ice on a two-on-one, scores. But it, beyond that play, I thought Zamula was good, and Walker's been real good as a partner for whoever he's been with. So if 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 Sanheim is this Sanheim, and I want to get into him, if he's this Sanheim, if Walker's pretty good, if Zamola is the guy we've seen over these first few weeks, they, suddenly this defense doesn't look that bad. Well, that's, we were calling it like the worst defense ever assembled. And then people out in San Jose were like, oh yeah? Oh yeah, take a look but, at what we got. Okay. <laughs> it looked on paper like it was going to be pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But. When Travis Sanheim can play like this and on, I think it was the uh, maybe the first or second goal where I thought he gave a little too much space on the drop pass. You don't want to be right on top of the guy when there's a trailer because then you just pick yourself when he yeah. does drop it. But with his reach, I thought maybe he could have played it better. He, but he, at the end of the day, yeah. Urson needs to make that save. It's, and it's also like, yes, he could have played it better. I agree. However, you're also going up against Jason Robertson and Rupe Hintz. Robertson's it's the best one, Yeah, like, like Robertson's like, one of the most skilled players in the game. Hintz is one of the best skaters, one of the best skaters who's big in the game. I understand why Sanheim was giving them a little bit oh, more yeah. space. Like, yeah, he could have played it he a little bit better. He just got caught a little in between. Yeah, he got caught a little in between. But given the guy... like. For example, I'm not going to blame a defenseman if they give Connor McDavid a little bit too much space because it's no. like, yeah, if you try to play him up close, he's going to go around you. And Sam Harrison needs to stop. That. And Sam Harrison needs to stop that call. Going to Sam Harrison for a second. Started out the game, did not look good. No. I had people in my mention saying, this guy sucks. If Hart can't play, we're screwed. It's over. By the end of the game, he was back. And honestly, the guy hadn't played in a while. I think it really was that simple. He hasn't simple. played since the preseason. Yeah. It's October 21st. Yeah. Like, it was very clear, especially if you would have just had a bad game, period, you could have looked at it and you said, Ugh, you know, maybe maybe we're overrating this guy a little bit. One game, obviously, but you start talking about those sorts of things. The fact that by the third period, he was basically stopping everything he saw, had a really, really good save on Hints in, in overtime, yes. a great glove save. Like, that's the Sam Harrison we saw last year. The Sam Harrison we saw in the first period was a rusty Sam Harrison who played himself into being back in the game by the end of this game. It kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, that game in Carolina last year where he struggled, gets pulled, then what, Hart got hurt, and they had to bring him back in, and then Arison was great, and they they came back in that game. This is a little bit similar where gets off to a bad start, you start getting a little worried, but he shows he can shake it off, obviously gives up the game winner to Pavelski. But you know what? It's Joe Pavelski. He's still— He's one of the greatest goal scorers yeah, of all time. I mean, definitely one of the greatest American goal scorers of all time, to be sure. And the One of is a pretty vague— Yeah, yeah well, he's, he's up there. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he's as old as he is, he's like— the Western Conference is Claude Giroux, I guess, where he just keeps on trucking. I think he's like he's like three, four years older than G. I oh, think yeah, he's close he, to forty. No, he is older than Drew. But I'm just saying, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm reaching the point where I fully expect Claude Giroux will still be pumping out seventy point seasons at age thirty eight. I will be disappointed if he's not. Quite <laughs> honestly, uh, I want to talk just real briefly about the decision 
What did you make it uh, to sit Carter Hart completely tonight, not have him back up? I think it's Just fine. give him a night off? Yeah, I, I think it was Brian Boucher who mentioned this on the broadcast, and it makes a lot of sense. There's an element with, with regards to Sandstrom where you just kind of want to make him feel like he's part of the team, and giving him the backup job, yeah, he's probably not going to play, most likely. But at least he feels— I'm starting to think maybe at some point <laughs> in, the third, in the first period, I was like, oh, yeah. we're seeing Felix tonight. That's fair. But uh, but yeah, you know, I think there's an element of, look, we're keeping you around. You're clearly the third goalie. You're not getting all the reps in practice because there are only two nets in practice. So you're standing around a lot. You know what? If Hart's not going to play, why not? Like, why not give it to him? If Arison gets pulled, we're losing anyway. So who cares? And it was, it was fine. But yeah, I, I liked what I saw from Arison in the second half of the game, especially the third period in overtime. Want to change gears for a second, though? Travis Sanheim, man. He looks good. He really does. A uh, very nice setup on was it the game tying goal, the four four yes. goal. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, it was well, no. It was the one to, to to TK. So I think that was the third goal. Okay. Yeah. Walker got the fourth. That was the yes. okay. Walker got the fourth. Yeah. He's been. You mentioned it. Twenty eight minutes. That's it's, crazy. It's just, and this isn't. This ain't a playoff game. This is just the coach going. Oh, I have a pair I can lean yeah. on, yeah. and I am absolutely going to. And, like, maybe a little reluctance to play that third pair. Well, especially because Andre, again, struggled. Andre struggled. Uh, Nick Sealer had, on the first uh, first goal, pretty bad turnover yeah. in the neutral zone to yeah, lead to that did. one. You're right. Um, just a reluctance overall to play that third pair, which, like, that sets up a conversation Kelly and I had pregame. This defensive juggling, and now with Stall out and Risto not ready to come back, it's right. working itself out, much like the forward rotation. It's like, well, now they're both in. Sure, what they're doing right now is working. But he's Andre's not getting any better playing nine minutes a game. Yeah. Like, at a certain point, because this is the coach that likes him. Yeah. And this is the coach that says, he makes a ton of mistakes, and I love it. Clearly, you don't, though, because the games count now, and you're saying, I can't put the mistake-prone guy yeah, out there. It's a fair so point. you're saying he's not ready, which is a fine assessment. He doesn't appear to be. Yeah. That he should be playing every night in the AHL. I'm, I'm leaning towards that. Right now, it's fine because well, you don't have yeah, like, you don't also, have six without exactly. Him. Like Risto clearly was not cleared yet. I thought he was going to be by tonight's game. I guess they decided to play it safe again because I believe I, I'm obviously not in Dallas, but I believe he didn't even skate today. So maybe he had a little bit of a setback. It's possible. Maybe he woke up with some soreness. But to me, you're reaching a point with Andre where. When Risto can come back, I think you seriously consider sending Andre down. And I don't think that is a betrayal of the rebuild. No. He just he's doesn't, not ready. He just doesn't look ready. Like, Zamula looks ready. And you know what? Use him in the top four. He looks like he deserves it. He's, he's up on the play. He's making, he, you know, he's not perfect, and he's not going to be. But he got 20-plus minutes tonight against a Stanley Cup favorite and didn't look too bad. No, it's... It's just getting to a point where I'm like, all right, I see this coming to a head sooner than later, but it's just going to have to be, it's just going to have to be when everyone's healthy yeah. or at least seven at least guys are healthy, healthy. Yeah. So they can have uh, like a set rotation, no shade to the coach, like what you're doing. But uh, if you are looking for some shade, you got to go with Shady Rays. Gear up for the season ahead with quality shades built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with premium polarized shades and quick, snop, quick swap snow goggles that won't break the bank. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers an unrivaled product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and world-class optics for all outdoor adventures. And if you're into winter sports, they're quick, quick swap. I say quick stop every time. <laughs> quick swap snow lenses switch easily from full sun to low light. Don't let changing light conditions slow you down on the slopes when all you need is Shady Rays snow goggles. And that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost or broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back with personal and fast support. And now here's the part you need to listen to because it's exclusively for our listeners. 
Shady Rays is giving out an amazing deal for the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHLY for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades that rated five stars by over 25 or 250,000 people. I know numbers. <laughs> you sure do. <laughs> anyway. This is why I'm the math guy. Yeah, it's, it's really why we need Charlie here to uh, keep track of the numbers. I want to get back to this penalty kill. Or I guess we got to start calling it the power kill, yeah, right? We, like, it's a power kill. They Because they, they made note during the game, like, okay, take the Ottawa game out because they gave up, well, I think, three, three power, play, power goals. play goals. Yeah, it was right. Yeah, listen, you're not going to be perfect. But God damn, man, they are a lot of fun. This is a fun team to watch. Yeah. And the penalty kill is kind of maybe one of those culture elements that they're building. The way the fourth line is, okay, this is who we're going to be. And it's part of our culture. We're going to set the tone. The way the penalty kill plays, I feel like sets the pace for this team. I agree. I agree. And one thing that you're seeing that is really really nice because it's been a long time since we've seen this from a flyers penalty kill it's not just the aggressiveness they have been more aggressive this year bradshaw dating back to his time with tortorella in columbus has been a preacher of try to take shorthanded chances you know try to go down the ice try to score i love that about his mentality as a coach but they actually have fast skaters on the penalty kill now like Konechny, he, you know, this is only his second year on the penalty kill. He's been on the team for a while. This is only his second year on the PK. Ryan Paling can skate. Scott Lawton plays with pace. Travis Sanheim plays with pace. Like, they have guys who can push the pace and get on other teams. Like, Cam Atkinson plays with pace. They are not a slow penalty kill anymore. They are and not deliberate. They're, they're not, not waiting. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's just the thing. The waiting around. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has, I mean, it's exactly what we, and we reference this all the time, but the senators in the back of that Uber talking about how bad their penalty kill was. <laughs> flyers were like, worse. Yeah. The flyers were worse, <laughs> which made it even hilarious. But like they're talking about what they're being coached to do and how they're just supposed to, like, we're supposed to stand there and wait as they build momentum up the ice. It's yep. like, well, so time and space we're going to give them. That's odd. And this team doesn't do that. Yeah. And I really, really like it. Yeah, I actually saw somebody in our, it's long past, but on the uh, the comment section we're looking at said Brad Shaw, like he could be a head coach someday. And uh, honestly, I've had multiple conversations with him. He's a really smart guy. He's a very cerebral guy, but I very much appreciate his approach to not just penalty killing because he also coaches the defense but i appreciate his approach to developing players he, he just it's a very thought out like everything he does there's a reason for it i i don't know if he is like he's torts guy but he's not torts like he's a different type of coach as compared to torts torts is torts Bradshaw is like the professor next to Torts. No. And it's it's cool. I don't know if he has head coach potential, but he's certainly smart enough where I, I know he got some interviews this summer, I believe. Um, the part, the reason I believe that John Tortorella allowed his assistant coaches to be the head coach at the end of the season on the bench was, sure. I think, to show other teams that he believes these guys have the potential to get hired by teams to be a head coach sometime down the road. So Bradshaw is a guy who I, I honestly, I have a lot of respect for. I appreciate his approach to penalty killing. I appreciate his approach to, you know, defensive development. Look, if, if he was able to maybe, maybe fix Rasmus Ristolainen, the thing that no one else could do, like he's got to be a hell of a coach, right? That's, you know, as, as an undercard guy, Bradshaw, pretty good. I think he's going to need a gimmick change. A gimmick change? Like to get to uh, maybe John Bradshaw Layfield main event status there's a wrestler called bradshaw i'll, I'll take it so i had to make, i'll trust you on that i had one. to make the uh, i had to make the comparison i think it's been long enough we need to talk about bobby brink we should talk about um, bobby brink first of all if brink stuff isn't a thing we need oh. to make it a thing oh yeah okay that yeah. would be i mean that's kind of one and i i'm not please do not continue this to be a goal song to me because I don't want to go through that again. <laughs> but if they were ever to move to individual, the individual. that it has to be break stuff. Yes. It's gotta be. Yeah. It's perfect. Uh, another, he doesn't score, has a couple of good chances tonight, has the nice setup uh, on a, another almost no look pass play. You're starting to see that vision, that yeah. creativity it yeah. is. But so what really impressed me tonight, his work behind the net, his work in puck pursuit, 
He's a lot stronger than I thought he was. The forechecking, uh, protecting the puck, all of it. This guy's here to stay. Yeah. Like, I've been thinking all along, he's on. We, we talked about this possibility in the preseason. He's on a nice little heater. Yeah. But the preseason ain't exactly half of the half of NHL preseason games are not NHL games. You know, these are AHL and maybe not a high quality of Agreed. AHL. Agreed. Maybe he's just he got some skill, performing a little over. He's got the competition. Well, we're into the NHL portion of the schedule, and these aren't exactly slouch teams no, he's not. playing against, and he looks fucking fantastic. Yeah. I am yeah. so impressed. As a dude who was looking forward to watching him develop, had no idea he'd be this good already. You're seeing, and, and a couple people mentioned this to me on Twitter during the game, you're seeing some legitimate chemistry seemingly developing between him and Farabee. Yes. Where those are two guys, obviously Farabee's a natural left winger, Brink is a natural right winger, and it just seems like those two guys, they know where each other are, they know where each other are on the ice. And, you know, obviously they're not going to be shooting cross-ice passes to each other all the time, but hey, when you get into situations like they were in the front of the net where, you know, Brink's there, Farabee's there, and Brink barely even had to glance over to know where Farabee was. He basically knocked that puck out of midair to get it over to him. Obviously, they had that great give-and-go play on uh, on Thursday against, uh, against Edmonton to kick off that game. You know, I mentioned this on Twitter, and I've said this on the, on the show, I believe, yesterday or two days ago, about how I want Joel Farabee to show me who he is. If he's a scorer, then go out there and be a scorer. If you're a two-way play-driving winger, go out there and do that. But figure out what your role is and embrace it. And if playing with Bobby Brink, who is more of a pure playmaker, will help Joel Farabee to embrace his new calling as a 35-goal scorer, I am all for that. You know, it's a wild concept, Charlie. Playmaker and goal scorer. Together. I know, right? Wild, Who would right? have ever thought to put <laughs> such a dynamic duo together? A playmaker and a goal scorer. You know who wouldn't have? People running this organization for the last 10 years. <laughs> but here we, are. here we are. It is a new era of orange. Uh, and since we talked about Bobby Brink, we cannot mention him. I think this is like the uh, equal time rule for uh, like mayoral candidates or yeah. politicians. Yeah. We can't talk about Brink without talking about Forster. Doesn't show up on the score sheet, but really happy with what I saw out of him doing yeah. those little things. On, yeah. he was, they finally pointed it out on the broadcast, like monster on the four check, uh, creating takeaways. It's going to be, it's going to take some time for Morgan Frost to get back in this lineup without an injury. I, I thought this was by far Tyson Forrester's best game yes. of the season. In a lot of ways, it kind of, and not completely because Brink was more creative in his game, but this reminded me when Brink played on, on Tuesday against Vancouver and he was all over the ice, he was making plays, he was creating chances, he didn't end up in the score sheet. I remember thinking to myself, like, he's going to score in this game, right? And he didn't because, uh, what's his name, Thatcher Demko was just fantastic. Yeah. But then, you know, four minutes into the first period and he gets a great, and Brink gets a great assist, and you're like, there's the reward he should have gotten last game. To me, this game was Forster's Brink on Tuesday game where, no, he wasn't rewarded. They scored more goals tonight he wasn't part of it but you can see it coming you could see that like hey if he keeps playing like this he's going to be on the score sheet soon and it was relieving because I was starting to get a little worried about Forrester about whether you know maybe he did need some more time in the AHL maybe he wasn't quite ready and this game was a relief because the guy who showed up tonight, the numbers might not show it, but if you watch that game start to finish, that looks like a guy who belongs in the NHL, and it looks like a guy who is is about to maybe not explode, but at least start producing. That was the thing that I was starting to worry about. Forster was just like, he's kind of fading into the background. Yeah, I where agree. He was such a noticeable player in his time up yes, last year. 100%. And maybe we were just looking for him. He's the shiny new thing in a lost season. But he looked legitimately good. Yeah. And he didn't really stand out a ton in the preseason. And he's starting to fade. All of a sudden, Bobby Brink. All right, he's showing out. Where's Tyson? Yeah. It looks like we're starting to get that guy. I think we... Uh, <laughs> I think we're going to have to start betting both to score their first goal of the season every game until they do it. I'm going to be doing that. 
at DraftKings. Listen, the NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code PHLY. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code PHLY only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's not easy to do when you can breathe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're struggling a little bit tonight, I, so I, I appreciate you powering through. My though. allergies, dude. I was like, wonder if I could just leave Charlie. This <laughs> I was like, nah, I would be pretty fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Phil's, like, and how unbelievable is that? Like, oh, yeah, Phil's are in the NLCS. I don't think. Uh, not feeling. I don't think I'm going to be able to make good. it, Charlie. Not feeling good. As, yeah. as I hear the bar behind yeah. you screaming. No, this is actually <laughs> all is set up for the World Series now. Mm. Uh, the game has gone final. Phil's are up in the Series 3-2. They win 6-1. Going back home. Coming back home. Have to win one of the next two in the greatest environment in sports. So. I'm, I'm liking their chances. This is all a setup for the World Series. Gotcha. I am not the least bit ill, Charlie. <laughs> uh, I'm told it's allergies. We'll see. I took some tests. You are probably safe. Good. Uh, anyway. I, 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 I hope so. <laughs> Another guy I do want to talk about because off to a bit of a slow start this year, especially offensively, but I thought had his breakout game tonight in a big way. Noah Cates. Thought he uh, thought he was really good. I thought even last game, even though he wasn't on the score sheet, he did a good job in the middle between Farabee and Brink. This game, he had that great play on uh, on Travis Konechny's first shorthanded goal. He's the guy who uh, who broke up the uh, the pass, sending Konechny down the ice. Very Couturier esque on that yes. play, and he just he's looking more and more like the guy that we saw most of last season once he got a handle on the center position probably about 20 or so games in that's who he looked like tonight and it's great to see because i'm a big noah kates guy and i don't think he was bad to start the year but i do think that they're they expect more from him they want to see him take take another step forward particularly offensively tonight was the first time this season that i saw a guy who might be ready to take that step forward and that seemed to be kind of the consensus tonight like just following on twitter a lot of people are sitting there like, oh, this is this is the Cates from last yes. year. This is the guy that we've been looking to see. And that's just another really good sign. Damn, man, they lose tonight, and it's in overtime, so they get the loser point. It's funny. We're, we're talking about a loss, and we're, it's all good things. They should be losing to these teams. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> they're 1-0-1 they're against like two of the best teams in the West this week. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, fair. I, it, it's hard to be down. Like they gave up 25 shots to Vancouver, 23 to Edmonton. Now 25 and what? 63 minutes to the stars. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is, this is a team that is playing a winning formula right now. And while that's not great for the tank, I did run this. Did I run this theory by you? I was saying it's someone, and I can't remember. Okay, well, let's hear it. If it was I'll let on you know. the air or if it was just something I was saying or if to you somebody. yourself saying eh, it. Definite possibility. <laughs> While this year's team might be better than expected, there's a good chance next year's team is worse because of a lack of veterans next year. Like, Cam Atkinson ain't going to be here next season. Well, we'll see. Like, there's just going to be fewer of those guys around. I feel like, like there's a chance Travis Konechny isn't here. There's a chance Carter Hart isn't here. There's a chance Ooh. they're just much younger. 
So here's the thing, though, with that. It's it's an interesting point you bring up because, look, I do agree that they're, that guys Sean like, Walker might guys like Mark Saul, guys like Sean Walker, guys like Nick Sealer, those types of guys very well might be gone. Now, that said, they might get replaced by other versions of them to fill out the roster to provide that same feel. But, you know, we talk about somebody like Travis Konechny, okay? We've talked about how, you know, signing him to another contract maybe doesn't fit the timeline. If this team, this team as in the 2023-2024 Philadelphia Flyers, if they are better than we thought, and instead of this being four years until the Flyers are potentially ready to make the turn, if it's two years, does that suddenly make you think, you know what, as much as I would love a third first-round pick in this draft, maybe it's not the smartest maneuver to trade Travis Konechny if in two years the Flyers are in the playoffs and we're going to have to go out and sign another Travis Konechny who you don't know is going to fit as well as Travis Konechny clearly does. Like To me, guys like Konechny and Hart, and obviously the Hart situation is, is more complicated because of the Hockey Canada stuff. We don't know how that's going to play out. But guys like Konechny and Hart have always been, to me, guys who in theory are young enough to be part of this if the rebuild can be done quickly. If the rebuild is going to take long, then you probably got to get rid of them and you got to get assets for them. But if this rebuild is going to be quicker than we thought, and if this team, if this team, and I'm in no way, shape, or form expecting this team to make the playoffs, but if this team can be, you know, in the 80s in terms of points and hang around and be scrappy and they're building something like yeah that's frustrating from the stance of they might not be getting that stud defenseman that we're hoping they're going to get in the top 10 but it might help them in a way because it means that guys like connecting and heart suddenly like you don't have to go out in three years and find new versions of them you have them because in three years you're in the playoffs and like look around at free agency right now no one's going to hit it. Yeah. No, like no one hits free agency anymore. Yeah. And now they hopefully, even if they are ahead of timeline and they don't hit on the draft pick positioning that they want, accumulate enough assets that they can make trades like a team like Vegas has been able to make over the last couple of years where hmm, we don't have that number one. Well, they... They traded for Eichel, but they signed Petrangelo. Petrangelo. So that's a guy who actually hit free agency. Right. Fair, fair. Uh, but and even Petrangelo. Like, but you're absolutely right. Like You, you have assets. assets. You don't just have to yeah. draft. You don't just have to sign free agents. You can trade. Like, there's not enough room for these young players now. Yeah. And, like, eventually Cutter's going to be here. Gauthier's or those, those, that's same the guy. same guy. Mitch Kopp's going to be here. here. <laughs> There's only so many spots. Like, yeah. there's not a spot for Morgan Frost right now. Yeah. yeah. So, good point. You got to believe that they're going to be able to accumulate assets that they can then turn into those missing pieces. So, I just can't get upset about my hockey team playing well. No. Is, is the, like, I see other paths. Yeah. The, I did a whole thing, a research thing the other day of uh, top 10 picks that Stanley Cup champions have on their rosters. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, <laughs> but it's not like any, it's not a ton more than the flyers have. Like they already have a couple of those guys and hopefully they get one or two more over the next two to three years. And then you, like, and then you're cooking with gas, maybe and like, then you, like Vegas doesn't have one, but you know what? They acquired Jack Eichel, who is one of those guys. Exactly. And it's kind of the same thing. Cause he's young. Enough. Exactly. And you look at, I mean, you look at this forward core and, in theory, and you mentioned about Frost, but in theory, they should be able to, if things go the way they're going over the first five games, this could fall off a cliff in two weeks. Very possible. But if things keep going this way, you're gonna have a lot of a lot of pieces that you could trade from. Like look at look at the uh, the, the right wings they have right now. Owen Tippett, Travis Konechny, Bobby Brink, Tyson Forrester. Like, yeah, you maybe move a couple of those guys over to the left, but you could also turn one of those guys into, into, a defenseman. into a defenseman. Like, you can get creative. And I think that's another thing, too, that has people rightfully more optimistic about this. We always talked about the fact that, like, yeah, you know, you have these assets and you got to get creative with them. They had, and I am not... I don't hate him to the degree that you and most of the fan base do, but they had maybe the least creative general manager in hockey in Chuck Fletcher for years. Like it's an understatement was incapable of making an outside the box trade. 
I think Danny Briere is capable of making an outside the box trade. We saw a little bit of it with the uh, the proposed St. Louis trade that didn't eventually work out, but the three-way deal with Provorov, and look, they even found a guy like Sean Walker, who we thought was like, here's a throw-in, he's going to be their seven, we'll see. Like He's in their top four and looks yeah, pretty good. Looks so, pretty darn good. I think Briere could be more on that creative path that I don't want to use the comparison, but Paul Holmgren. Yeah, Paul Holmgren, that first half of his tenure no, was great. No, no. Until Pronger got hurt, he did a great fucking it, it, job. Exactly, and I do think that somebody like Holmgren gets shit on too yeah, much, definitely. particularly by the online contingent, because everyone remembers the final few years. And don't get me no, wrong. like Hal Hill was a horrible yeah, idea. Holmgren was real bad those final few years. He... Paul Holmgren's flaw was that if if the defenseman wasn't a no doubt about it Hall of Famer or like one of those elite guys, he was incapable of determining what a good defenseman was. Yeah. But the first half of his tenure, when he rebuilt on the fly, got Danny Briere, Scott Hardell, and Kimo Timonen, you know, added Matt Carl, got Braden Coburn, you know, he did a great job in the first half of his tenure. And like, you know what? You could learn a lot from the first half of Paul Holmgren's tenure. You could also learn a lot from the second half of his tenure of what not to do. But it's not like he was bad the whole time. On some of these ad reads, it's like do's and do nots. Like things to say about the product and definitely (laughs) avoid this. Don't say that. And like Paul Holmgren comes with a do and do not. Yes. Do. Trade Lucas Pisa and Joffrey Lupul for Chris fucking Pronger. (laughs) Do not. Resign Andrew McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> like, these are very simple yes. theories here. Yes. Uh, so that's just, uh, I don't even know how we got to this point here, Charlie, but I'm on so much day quill right now. I barely know where we are. <laughs> I love it. Uh, someone's going to, I hope someone's going to drive me home. <laughs> that's, I'm fine, people. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about uh, what this rotation is going to be with the defense. Okay. Andre again struggled. Um, the coach doesn't seem all that confident in him. It still seems like we've taught like he just wants his hands in this kid's development. He wants to bring him along at his pace. But Zamula has so far exceeded yes. what Andre has done. Yes. When Risto comes back, th- that gives them seven healthy, right? Yes, it would give them seven healthy, including you, you Andre. You want an extra. It's not... So I guess he doesn't have to go down right away. But if you don't have confidence in one and he's not going to draw in, he, he needs to go down. Right? No, and to me, and again, I asked John Tortorell straight up at practice or like last week, I guess. Is it officially? No, it's 11 So it's yeah. still this week. I asked him this week uh, after a practice if Igor Zamola had put himself in a position where he was out of the rotation. He is now a nightly staple in the lineup. And Tortorella said, no, I'm not ready to say that yet. To me, Igor Zamola now, I mean, you just played him against a cup favorite. You played him over 20 minutes. You leaned on your top four. If you trust Zamola that much, to me, Zamola is in your lineup every night. He should be He should be out of the rotation. The rotation now, I mean, now you don't need one because Risto isn't here. But when Risto is ultimately cleared, to me, the rotation is now Sealer and Andre. That should be the rotation. Zamula and Walker, there's your second pair for now. And then Risto, you know, maybe it becomes... Maybe it comes uh, Zamula Risto. Maybe you keep Zamula with with, with Walker. I don't care. But to me, the rotation now has to be, if you're going to keep Andre up, it's Andre Sealer because those are your two weakest defensemen right now. Zamula is one of your four best defensemen right now. He just is. Did Nick Sealer, now Nick Sealer did the right thing, sticking up for a teammate. Uh, and they he loved beat the crap out of hockey. He pop. fucking knocked. I was. <laughs> I walked in the studio as they were replaying that fight. I was like, "Well, that's what I like to see." The, ba- the bigger they I'm are, the harder for. they fall. This is what is I'm he here six for. Seven? Was that the? Um, <laughs> while it was like circumstance called for it, right? Is that the Brandon Manning, Brandon Manning fight that just keeps oh, him in the lineup? I didn't even think of that. That's all I was I thinking. I didn't think of that. You're like, Risto's yeah. coming back. I yeah. got to do something. I got to drop the gloves. <laughs> I, I'm going to stay in. I got to fight somebody. You know, I didn't even think of that. But, yeah, that's the kind of shit that John Tortorella would would take into account. Um, Did not even think of that when it happened. Good call. We, You've been saying all week, like, oh, yeah, Risto's going to draw in this week. And then it was Tuesday. It was like, okay, not today. So Thursday or Saturday. Then Thursday came, and it was like, all right, well, process of elimination. He's going to play Saturday. I think. Does not play tonight. 
Any update? I, I mean, I'm not on the trip. You're not on the so trip. It, I just mean, yeah. To, to did me, you read anything I did? No. Is the well, question <laughs> from what I heard yeah. from from Jeff Nyberg and and Kevin Kurtz who are both on the trip? It doesn't sound like Risto skated with the team this morning. That tells me that you know he woke up and maybe felt some soreness or maybe he had a setback. And if that's the case, then I guess Andre's here until that's resolved because. I thought for sure Risto was going to play. I really did. I thought he was going to be back. I think they thought he was going to be back. The fact that he did not play tonight and the fact that apparently he didn't skate with his teammates this morning, that that raises some red flags. Not to the point where, like, I think it's a season-ending injury, but just to the point where maybe this drags all the way into the end of next week, maybe. Let's, we discussed the idea... Maybe they're being a little extra cautious because they do have this log jam right now. Right. So what's the point? And they were like, no, no, yeah. that's not what we're doing. Well, we're seeing that for a fact and now, now. It's yeah. like, Stall, oh, no, they're probably out. not. Yeah. Like, Stall is out, and the guy was on a timeline that he's no longer on. Yeah. So it's not just an abundance of caution. There seems to be something actually the matter with Rasmus Ristolainen. I kind of miss him. You kind of miss Risto? I, like... <laughs> he took steps last he did. year. I want to see if he can, he can keep that. Yeah. If that was a fluke if or if that's can, actually the new Risso. If he can be like an adequate defensive defenseman who puts up anything close to the points totals he put up in Buffalo, like that's a really good player. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> that's like a I mean, really he, useful he player. though because he won't be on the power. He won't play. get the power. I just mean like if he can do some semblance of that. Uh, 40%, 50% of that <laughs> without the power play time. That's a pretty damn good useful. That's all. He's stuck here. We're stuck with the man for at least a couple more years. I want him to become good. Yeah. That's all. He was pretty good last year. Now, I just want him to stay that. I'm not, I don't need Risto to get any better. I'm happy enough that he was pretty good last year. <laughs> just stay pretty good. That's enough for me. See, Charlie has always been a Risto hater. I, I've been a, a, a Risto doubter. <laughs> Let's say that's fair. Aristo detractor. <laughs> that's, I mean, I just like, I like the hits. I think you need one of these guys. You don't need three. I think you need one of these guys and he can be that for you. Like we're seeing Radko Gudis play those sorts of minutes and, We've seen it. I like love Radko. Luke Shen. I'm not a Radko hater. Always oh, a Radko fan. You got me a butcher shirt. Yeah, right I, got, I got Bill yeah. for one one year for Christmas when we were still with BSH. Um, this is, I think it was even before I was uh, with the Athletic. I got. I think it was very beginning, like yeah. first or second year. Okay, so very beginning of the Athletic. Yeah. Um, I bought Bill a uh, a, a <laughs> shirt with Radko's head, like in like shil like silhouette form. Yeah. And it just said the butcher. The butcher, which so is good. so badass. Um. <laughs> So I guess it leaves us with the, the the frost dilemma. I said earlier, like, it's going to be a while, but does he really have to wait for an injury? Is there anyone you're looking at right now that you can – and, like, listen, if the answer is Scott Lawton, not saying it is, but Coach likes Scott Lawton. Mm -hmm. does not like Morgan Frost yeah. as hockey players. I'm sure he likes them as people just fine. I hope so. Uh, I Morgan know. Frost seems yeah. like a very nice boy. But, like, <laughs> is there a guy you can point to and be like – Frost can draw back in without an injury because X. No, right now, no. Honestly, the, I mean the, the team's playing well, really the well. The one guy who I thought you could justify was Forrester. He was the guy where he was kind of fading into the background. You were wondering if it was ever going to click for him. After tonight, I want to see him. In, I do not want to take him out of the lineup for the next game against Vegas because I want to see if he can build on this. He was the guy where I'm thinking, you know, even if they play well against Dallas, if Forrester has another game where he's invisible, maybe you sit him and you bring Frost back in, you push Lawton back over to the wing, and you see how that goes. Now I want to see what Tyson Forrester has. I want to see if he can do what Brink did and build off that strong game where he didn't score and turn it into a strong game where he does score. So, no, I, at this point, you know, they're dead set on keeping the four line together. It had another pretty good night tonight. Had one really bad shift, I think, in the second period where they were trapped for like a good minute. It was the first time where they looked like an awful fourth line. Rest of the game, I thought they were fine. Um, and then beyond that, like everybody else, look, we went through pretty much every name to start the show. They all played well. I don't think there's anybody that I feel comfortable taking out of the lineup for, for Morgan Frost right now. I just don't. It's going to be tough for Morgan Frost to get into a game. But it should never be tough for you to get into a game. When you use the Game Time app, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. 
with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snap, snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Now, we've talked uh, some about how this team is just kind of fun to watch right now. They play with pace. They're scoring a bit. Tonight they did. They're also a pretty damn physical team. Yeah. They have been laying some yeah. open ice hits. They have been taking it to teams physically. And I just really like the style of play. This is this is a John Tortorella team. Like, it took a full year and it took bringing some guys in, getting a little younger mixing in maybe some of his vets that were like, really Garnet Hathaway's is what we're doing. <laughs> but damn man, they take it two teams physically. Well, you know, to me, and this is, it's, it's actually a great segue because I wanted to talk about this in this segment. So perfect to me, it's less about, and look, Guys like Nick Deloria, guys like Garnet Hathaway, like they're going to play physical. That's the only way they know how to play. That's why they're here. Even a guy like Nick Sealer, like you know he's going to drop the gloves. You know he's going to throw some hits. Risto hasn't played yet, but you know he's going to hit. To me, what's been the most impressive, and I don't think this is just a mentality thing. I think this is a preparation thing, particularly over the summer. You're seeing guys who in the past – have not been physical, whether it's because they didn't want to be or whether it's because they just didn't think they could be because they weren't physically built enough. Like, that hit that Joel Farabee laid on Johnston tonight, that was wild. And Joel Farabee, for most of his NHL career, he's been a freaking string bean. Yeah. I don't think it's that he didn't want to throw hits. It's that he couldn't. He would get hurt. Because if he tried to, he'd end up being the one on the ice. And what it's what it's abundantly clear, and I, I think there's two guys specifically I'll speak to on this. Joel Farabee and Travis Sanheim. Both of those guys are guys that you can tell by the way that they're playing that they fucking attacked the summer. Like they went into the summer like, you know what? I'm putting on some fucking man strength. And they did. And you're seeing it with Joel Farabee. Like I saw it earlier, earlier in this game. Obviously the big hit was the one that people will remember. But there was a play during a power play where Hockenpah, the guy who sealer knocked the hell out, was all over Farabee. And the Farabee of two years ago, the Farabee of last year, like he just gives up that puck. He loses that puck battle, gets, you know, <laughs> gets, gets pushed into the boards, and it's a clear. What does this version of Farabee do? This stronger, more built version of Joel Farabee do? He just kind of shrugs off the six foot seven Hockenpah, passes the puck back up to the point, and they have another 20 seconds of solid, dangerous zone time. And that's not, I don't think, because Joel Farabee didn't want to do that before. It was because he physically couldn't. And credit. Number one, credit the players for having the work ethic to, you know, to really go at the summer and clearly work their asses off. But also, I do think this is somewhere where you see the positive impact of John Tortorella, yeah. where, you know, John Tortorella last year made it clear, like, look, there's a standard. This is a standard. You guys think you're meeting a standard, but really right now you're here. I need you to get here, and I'm going to push the hell out of you until you get here. And I think guys like Farabee and Sandheim in particular really took that to heart in the summer and were like, look, I'm not going to say that I'm guaranteed to have a great year, but if I don't have a great year, it's not because I didn't work my friggin' ass off this summer to put myself in the best physical shape to give myself the chance to have that year. And you're seeing it in the early season. Like, you're seeing, you're seeing Travis Sandheim winning puck battles now. You're seeing Travis Sandheim, like— he, there was there was a play, I think it was on Thursday, where he just like and this is a play where like probably should be a penalty, but he just like basically laid on a guy in the neutral zone for like 15 seconds because the guy was messing with him and he's like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this shit. I'm bigger and stronger than you. You ain't getting up until you stop jabbing at my at my chest. And like, is it a penalty? Probably, but the Travis Sandman well, you know three what? years ref, ago doesn't try that. The ref probably saw it happen. And they, 
the NHL wants you to police yourselves. That guy's being an asshole. I don't want to have to protect you. Yeah. Protect yourself. Exactly. And he did. This team for years, something that has driven me nuts about them is how soft on the puck they were. Yeah. Unless it was Claude Giroux, who I never saw go into a corner and not come out with the puck until like the last couple of years. If it was any sort of traffic, whether it's just some bodies, a good stick check, someone actually laying a hit, whatever it was, they were losing the puck. Yeah. They do not right now. Yeah, not, like, not they so far this year. They actually get through contact. Yeah. They're yeah. able to, whether it's just more skill because they're able to puck handle, but you're talking about guys putting on the strength as well. I am just very impressed with that from this team. This is the most positive post game I've ever done after a loss, Charlie. <laughs> I like keep having to remind myself, like you know, they lost. They lost right? this game. Like, they right? gave up five goals. That is not great. Yeah. Now again, the goaltending wasn't excellent. I will say, like a lot of those, the early goals were probably stoppable, but it was like shooter on goalie. Yeah. You know, it, like yeah, and he's a backup. Yeah. He, they're supposed to score, but like. I'm just very, very happy with what I'm seeing out of this team. And it's creating a baseline that they can build on. Like, if this is what they are now, yeah, there's always a 10-game losing streak looming. It could always... <laughs> it is Flyers hockey. It still. could always snowball, but we were joking to start out. Ah, they're too good. <laughs> they're too, do you actually believe this team has, I don't want to say playoff potential yet, I don't I'm think, not. I'm not ready. I don't to say think that we're yet. there. Yeah, I'm not ready. But to say that. could they be Ottawa last year? 86 points. The guy, the team that got in at 92-93. I don't think that's insane, especially if Sean Couturier stays healthy and continues to be this version of Sean Couturier, the Couturier who shut down Connor McDavid earlier this week. Yeah, I think that's on the table to be sure. Um, I, I think that you know the thing about this team so far, and again, we're through five games. This could fall off a cliff. It always could. It, it's Philadelphia. It typically does. We, it typically does. But to me, this game, like this game was a, it, it was a game of runs where you, like I talk about that, like basketball is a game of runs. Yeah. You know, one team goes on a 12-2 run and then another team goes on a 20-3 run or something and they just kind of trade it up. This was a game of runs, but what was fascinating to me about the way the runs happened were Dallas's runs were just because you're like, holy shit, they are talented. Like, oh man, like Jason Robertson does crazy crap with the puck. Rupe Hens is just bigger and faster than everyone. Like, they just overwhelm the Flyers because they're just better. But then the but then the Flyers runs would be because they just straight up outworked them. Yeah, like those second, third chance opportunities. Yes, yes. Like I always call them the the second chance four check. Yeah, where they actually get the puck, maybe even make a pass. Yeah. But you intercept the second one. You shut it down at the blue line. You shut it down in the middle of the neutral zone and get it going back. There's a point in the second where it's like, damn, what are the stars doing? Then they got that top line out there. Yeah. And they just had a shift where it was like one of those Crosby shifts. It was like, oh, they're just going to dominate us until one goes in. <laughs> exactly. I was like, okay, they flipped the switch and like they had momentum going a little bit. Then the Flyers had a run. Yeah. Like they'd answer back. Yeah. And I think that's been a really, really like that has been a recurring uh a recurring theme over the last couple of games with this team. I remember thinking the same thing in the Vancouver game. You know, they get out to the early lead and then uh Vancouver just kind of yeah. takes over in the first. And you're like, Yeah, like yeah, okay, right. this this is what we expected. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. And Couturier gets the penalty shot, and then in the second period, they just demolished. Oh, they them. killed them. Yeah. Like, this has kind of been what this Flyers team does. It's whether it's resiliency or I don't know, but I'm it's another as negative as it is. Uh, I get like, yeah, they need high end talent. You need superstars to win in this league. The Flyers don't have enough of them. Any currently. Hopefully, <laughs> Any currently. hopefully, if you in the pipeline, yeah, hopefully they have two. But uh, Culture, it, we've said, like, culture, maybe not just as important as talent. It but matters. We've made it the matters. comparison to the Phillies. Yeah. Phillies, ton of talent. Seems like culture's pretty good. Like, oh, yeah, well, look, look at their goddamn payroll. Of course they're good. And then look but at the, the Mets. Look at the fucking yeah, Mets. Look at the Mets. They're spending more money than anyone in the history of the game, and they were under 500 this yeah. year. Yeah. Like, culture does matter. And it's, all right, well, how many of these guys are even going to be here when they're good? Well, that's what we're finding out now. Yeah. But like you said, they're setting a standard. 
And John Tortorella is only going to accept that. And while there will be things we disagree with, listen, get Morgan Frost in a game, figure it out. (laughs) Either play Andre or don't, you know, like, there's going to be these micro decisions and we're going to talk. We do a goddamn daily show. We're yeah. going to talk about them every single day. Exactly. The big picture seems really strong to me still. And it's, yeah, they're acquiring assets. They're doing all the right rebuild things, but they are building something internally. Like, I think I can see. Yeah. It. I, I think, I think the things that over time, because I'm not, I think I, I'm on record as saying, I still don't think this team is going to make the playoffs, but I think the things over time that are going to hurt them in terms of, like not keeping up this degree of of pace in terms of the standings and whatnot. Like number one, in the early season, skilled teams aren't quite clicking at all cylinders. You know, the chemistry isn't quite there. Maybe they're still a little rusty. It's early. So I think as the season progresses, you're going to see more of the kind of runs that we saw out of Dallas tonight. They're going to happen more often. And because teams with designs on playing into June – this isn't that important to them. Exactly, exactly. But then there's also the fact, and I think you saw this against Ottawa. If if you're a team like the Flyers that doesn't have the kind of talent that the best teams have, that has to win by outworking teams, it does mean you don't have a lot of margin for error. And if you don't, if you show up in a game, and it's not even that you're playing lazy, it's just you don't have that extra oomph then you're going to lose 5-1 to Ottawa. Like, and no, that's the, like, they don't have the guys where like, ah, you know, the team doesn't quite have it, but like Connor McDavid just decided he was going to score a hat trick because we ain't losing tonight because I'm just that good. They don't have those guys. So if they're going to win games, they're going to have to do what they did tonight, which is just go balls to the wall and outwork teams. Can you do that 70 times in a season? Like maybe, but it's real freaking hard. No, it's... <laughs> And that's like, oh, you know, the the cliche, it's always a joke. Like, oh, bring 110%. Like, you know, it's a mathematical impossibility, right? <laughs> yeah. If the Flyers only bring 100%, they probably aren't going to win. They actually need to do yeah, that. They actually need to do 110. Yeah. Like, that's just who they so, are. So, like, I think that's going to, there's going to be games. There's going to be more games down the road that look like the Ottawa game. Where, and it, as I said, it's not that they're being lazy. It's just that, like, I don't know if they can sustain this degree of work level of work rate every single night. And because of their talent deficiencies, they're going to have to, to win these games. But in the short term right now, they are, and they're showing that at least at this early stage of the season, when they work their asses off, they can play with these guys. When they work their asses off, they look great. You don't have to work all that hard to look great though. All you have to do is go to FOCO because FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. It's football and tailgating season. It's red October. They've got everything you need for game day, whether it's hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, or overalls, baby. That's right. Or, uh, you know, you're looking for accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items. FOCO has it all. And they always have our backs for Philly sports. And they have yours, too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of this show. And for all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY for 10% off. FOCO. We got to get Charlie his overalls I mean, now, man. We're getting closer. One we're more game, game away. We're One a game, game away. We, need to, we might have to get some expedited shipping Better on get these. on that. <laughs> I'll, I'll text Vince. I'll text Vince. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we get the 10% off, so it won't be that bad. That's fair. Uh, Charlie, is there anything else that you really took away from this game tonight? It's a good question. Um, I mean, one thing I will say that's a little bit disappointing, and thank you to everyone who is you know, watching along, who's been watching our shows and paying attention to the Flyers. It is a little disappointing. What's that, the like, matter with you people? They're off to this great start, and so few people are paying attention because the Phillies are, like, <laughs> maybe on the verge of winning a World Series. It's going to be the day after the parade, and I don't have the schedule in front of me, so I don't know who they play. Let's call it Pittsburgh. They're going to lose, like, 7-1. to one. It's gonna be, <laughs> You know what's coming. Yeah. yeah you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, time. You know, this, Philly's flying high. Yeah, like this flyer the team is probably just, yeah. yeah, the Union probably just won something. We just had a yeah. World Series parade. Let's watch these flyers yeah. and get behind them. Yeah, keep it going, guys. Yeah. And, and then, then they do and that. And then they just get they just get railroaded at home, yeah. like on national TV, probably <laughs> oh every time. Every time. All right, uh, I think that'll do it. I think that is all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers post game. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Before we go, though. 
Tailgate, Charlie. Tailgate. Tailgate, yes. I can't do this one. Good job. No, uh, so Tailgate, again, we're going to continue to to bring this up during our shows. Tailgate, next Saturday, the 28th, 10 a.m. to around 1 p.m., basically around puck drop. They're playing the Anaheim Ducks. Phillies are now one game away from the World Series. The Astros are now the team in the lead. Potentially, there could be a World Series game in Philadelphia that night in the sports complex. Why don't you kick off your partying early? Come down, have some beers, have some good meats, meet some friends, talk flyers, and then get ready for the fills. That's some of my absolute favorite tailgate days where uh, Phillies World Series doubleheaders uh, and we have the opportunity to do one now. There were some Eagles ones in 08 and 09. You know, it was funny today. They said on this day in Philly's history, they clinched the National League against the Dodgers at home. And that makes it because my buddy Frankie's listening. Happy anniversary, Frank. This is the day I started to flip the van chant for your van when we were celebrating. Oh, my God. You're like, Bill, this is our this is our catering van. We can't flip it. <laughs> flip it. This is, we need this for work. Oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, so that's all I just wanted but to yeah, point so that out. But, yeah, so we'd love to, yeah. love to see as many people as possible. It's a completely free tailgate, so nothing with regards to, to having to pay. We want to we want, we spread. You can spread. tip Charlie and me, but I mean, it's not necessary. Fine. I'm not going to say no. But, uh no, this is us just trying to spread the word about PHLY. I think a big part of this for me is I, I want to work on building a community. Obviously, we build a great community at Broad Street Hockey. I want to take that community and take it to the next level. We have a lot of support here from All City Network, from PHLY. And it's going to be a really good time. Even if you're not going to the Flyers game, why don't you stop by? You can head over to Xfinity Live afterwards, watch the Flyers game with, with people from the tailgate, and then hang around for the fills. Hopefully it sounds like the perfect day and that'll do it for us. For Charlie O'Connor. My name is Bill Matz. Ring the bell, Phils. Like the mayor. 